So the Bradford Bypass is a connection between the 404 and the 400. And it's um, it, it's almost like the debate about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Uh, all through the morning, I've had people picking a fight with me for asserting that I don't think the Bradford Bypass is necessarily in the GTA. I mean, I looked at a map, and it, it's well north of areas that are normally associated with being a part of Toronto. But then I guess it's a very flexible debate. What is the GTA? And some people say, well, is the GTA Hamilton, for example? Um, And, you know, I'm not really that excited about getting into the debate. It's kind of like whether there should be raisins and butter tarts. After a while, it becomes tedious. Let's get back to the meteor issue of the Bradford Bypass and the fact that uh, it turns out through access to information um, documents the government is already plotting for it to be eight lanes instead of four. That's kind of a major affair when you consider the amount of ground that this highway is going to absorb. We're joined by Margaret Prophet, Executive Director of the Simcoe County Greenbelt Coalition. Margaret Prophet, nice to have you. Good morning. Good morning, John. Thank you for having me on. Okay, so you know what? Let's set the table. I never want to assume that everybody knows everything. Um, So when we're talking about the Bradford Bypass, this is, as I was mentioning, a connection between the 400 and the 404. But what is the, uh, you know, the, the founding idea behind the need for this construction? Uh, it was supposed to be um, moving traffic from an east-west uh, lane. So it would be the northernmost part, part of the 404 over to the 400. And this this highway has been around, its idea at least, uh, for at least three decades. And funny enough, it was cancelled once before and then resurrected uh, by Kathleen Wynne's government and then promoted above other projects against uh, internal advice, as the Auditor General found, uh, by Ford's government. So it's it's been around for a while. And like I said, it was cancelled once because the cost versus the benefit just seemed too great to Ontario taxpayers. The original plan was two lanes in each direction. But apparently, according to these documents, uh, the plan is four lanes in each direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the records that we have says that the government's been knowing that they were going to be going to this level uh, for at least a year. So, um, you know, it brings back to the question of how are decisions being made and what level of transparency is the government willing to give on these kind of projects. We also know that the project was initially um announced publicly for about roughly $800 million. And now, according to the Auditor General report, that could balloon 400% up to $4 billion, making the Bradford Bypass, which is just a mere 16 kilometers, uh, one of the more expensive highways we have built in recent history. And the entire uh, taxpayer base of Ontario will be on the hook for that amount of money. What kind of land are we looking at here? I mean, give, give us a picture. Uh, well, you know, there are definitely some urban areas around uh, connecting close to Newmarket and to Bradford, but in between are relatively untouched parts of the Greenbelt, including uh, the Holland Marsh wetland. Um, one of the places that it would traverse is over the Holland River, and um, that is a very significant site uh, for Indigenous people as well as colonial history. In fact, um, people within the Federal Ministry of Culture had said that this particular Indigenous site or, or historical site is more significant than the 95% of the, of the sites that we already have declared as historically significant. So that would go under a bridge 
Um, so we're talking about relatively untouched parts of the Greenbelt, uh, which now, thanks to other changes in policies, there's not as much control about whether the land surrounding the highways will be um, protected or whether those will be opened up for more development. Okay, let me ask you something. Would you be opposed to the bypass under any terms, or is it this expansion of the bypass that is objectionable? Well, there's nothing that exists there right now. So there, there. This is a brand new highway. Um, there are, you know, records. The reason why it was canceled in the first place was because they felt that with regional road improvements um, and transit investments, that the same traffic congestion relief could be achieved. I mean, you've got to remember that when these studies were first done, the GO train wasn't even going north of, of Highway Seven. So. Um, I think that if you're really thinking about the taxpayer, if you're really thinking about removing uh, traffic congestion, then you have to go with the science and the evidence says, which is that building more highways won't get you out of traffic congestion. It'll put you into a money pit where you go from four lanes to five lanes to 10 to 12 to the point where you get to the 401 that started off as a as four lane highway and now is what, over 20 lanes? Um, so it doesn't end. Thank you very much for this. Good to have you this morning. Thank you. Margaret Prophet is executive director of the Simcoe County Greenbelt Coalition. And I can say certainly I had my big city gawking moments when I was a kid. And we would travel from Montreal to Brampton by car to go visit my grandma and my uncle and others. And we would get to Toronto and we'd be on the 401. And I think this is the biggest highway I have ever seen in my life. There is a phenomenon in highway construction, which is that say you have five lanes, 10 lanes, whatever. And you say, this is congested. We're going to add some more. And very, very quickly, the uh, traffic ends up increasing and you end up just as congested. You just have more lanes of traffic. Speaking of transportation, though, and our guest, Margaret Prophet, was mentioning trains and go trains. Uh, the provincial government spending $140 million buying three new train sets. As soon as I saw that, I thought, are they HO scale? Uh, no, they're full, full-size trains. And this is going to get the Northlander back into service by the mid-2020s. Um, so there's going to be a locomotive and three passenger cars as part of these sets. It'll travel from Toronto to Timmins and on to Cochrane. And one of the great tragedies is, and the same thing happened in Montreal and the Laurentians, as a matter of fact, but we used to have these trains that took everybody to cottage country. And there are these amazing stories of the lumber barons, for example, and the great industrialists from the United States who had private trains. And they would put them onto these routes in order to go hunting and fishing in northern Quebec and northern Ontario. And we had these amazing train services. And then along comes the car. And in the 1950s, post-World War II, the initiative was build highways. And we did. And everybody thought, well, we're going to drive cars. We don't need trains anymore. And they started decommissioning train lines. Uh, the one in Montreal that goes to the Laurentians is now a very nice running route, cycling route, um, cross-country ski route. But actually, it would be much better served if we'd left the railway in place. And the same is true of Ontario. But at the very least, it would seem we've preserved the right of way to get from Toronto to Timmins to Cochrane. And that service is going to be restored in the next couple of years.